This is a messianic study of the book of Romans. It's given in a midrashic setting, which is audience participation. It was given during the months of June through August 2008. The discussion leader is John Behrens. He's pastor of Restoration Messianic Fellowship. You can reach our website at www.crimsonthread.com. There you can find this study in its entirety as well as other resources for your messianic study of the scriptures. This discussion has been edited and a number of the comments have been either truncated or removed for clarity and continuity. Chapter 1, verse 18. All right, so now he shifts gears. And if, if you don't have a theory about why the letter is being written, this gear shift is just a jarring transition. Okay? In other words, it's all been, ha oh, yeah, I'm an apostle, and I've longed to I mention you every day in my prayers, and I want to come visit you, and now we're talking about the wrath of God. Well, how did we get there? You understand what I'm saying? And what I'm suggesting to you is that this is by way of, again, speaking into this theologically mixed group. Okay, so he's got a point that he wants to make. And he needs to, and, and one of the things, as we'll see when we get into chapter 2 and beyond, is when he talks about judging. One of the things that we can infer is going on in that church is, well, I got the Holy Spirit, and you don't. I'm better than you are. Well, you don't follow Torah, and I do. You're lawless. I'm better than you are. And, you know, the, 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 the thing that you see constantly today in the church and so what he's talking about is people judging each other from where they are theologically. In other words, I got this little piece of the puzzle and you don't. Therefore, I'm better than you are. Okay? So he's leading into this to a rift that he's going to do on judging by talking about sin and the purpose of judgment. Does that so make sense? All right. So here we go. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who, are by their who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That is a mouthful. One of the things that you may have noticed, and if you haven't noticed, you're dead, is that there has been in this country a thing that is now goes by the term of political correctness. And what that means is there are certain things that you cannot talk about. Basically, if it offends a liberal, you can't talk about it. And what this is, is suppressing the truth. Okay? You are not allowed to speak the truth. And this is exactly what Paul is talking about here. Just ask Geraldine Ferraro. Yeah, just ask Geraldine Ferraro, who got voted off the island for stating the obvious about Mr. Obama. Um, so, who by their unrighteousness, so the, the whole point is, one of the techniques of the unrighteous is to put certain things off limits. We can't talk about that. And so you're forced to have your debate in the context of the terms that they will allow you to use. Okay, that's what political correctness is. And we have this shorthand word for it, it's political correctness. But what it is, is fascism. 
And what it is is suppressing free speech so that ideas that are true cannot be freely traded. Okay? And this is going on in Rome 2,000 years ago, so there's nothing new under the sun. Okay? It happened in Soviet Russia. It happens in every dictatorship. What you have is free speech gets closed down. And you know, they, they, they won't directly go after, although they started to go after the First Amendment directly, but what they've done is they've done it socially. If you talk about this, you're just not part of the club anymore. You don't, you're not civilized. Oh, you're just outside the pale. You're beyond, you're, you're, not, you're not civilized, and we don't have to pay any attention to you because you've used this word, whatever this word is, okay? And once you use that word, then I am authorized not to pay any attention to you anymore, and you are now out of the camp and marginalized. That's what it does. And they don't do it in Canada. Now they're doing it legally. Uh, they're, they're now having show trials in Canada for people who have, quote, insulted Islam, unquote. Uh, but it's the same phenomenon. Making great progress. Verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. And, and again, their motivation is, at some level, they know it's true. So they can't let you speak about it because they know you're right. And so everyone who tries to oppress speech only tries to oppress true speech. They say that's what made sense. In other words, the fact that it is true is the reason that it must be oppressed. And so what he's talking about is speech about God, which is the most politically incorrect speech you can do in the United States today. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So what he's saying is that the creation fairly screams about the existence of God, which is, again, why the fierceness of the debate over intelligent design. Because the creation itself screams of the creator. And so if you're allowed to talk about that, contrary viewpoints crumble. And the only people who will believe them are those who are religious fanatics of a secular variety. <coughs> Which is why it's not allowed to be taught in school or, or even discussed in respectable academic settings. Um, 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. The most foolish people in the world are college professors. Okay? They, they, are, they are little pack lemmings. Okay? I've, I've spent a lot of time among them. And whatever the received wisdom is, their job is to sort of nibble around the edges and improve the, the received wisdom, but you do not go outside of the orthodoxy. Because if you do, you lose your grant money. People will not hire you for tenure. And it's, it, it, it's very fiercely guarded. So they are professing to be wise, but are in fact fools. And I mean, th th as I say, this can be written about our political discourse of the day. This is a political document. This is, of course, a theological document also, 
but at heart it's talking about politics. Because you, you read this and it's right off of the pages of the local newspaper. And there's a progression. First off, they, um, where am I here? For although they knew God, they did not honor him. So the first part of the progression is, is lack of honor to God. Then lack of thankfulness. And once you cease to be honoring God and thankful to God, you then become futile in your thinking. And your foolish heart becomes darkened. Now we've talk, talked about hardening of the heart in other contexts. And as you read scripture, if you are not careful, you will read it as if there are certain people that God just goes around and says, Ah, you, ah, hard heart, no help. And it's like, what happened? What happened? You mean I'm just, I'm just damned? I did, don't, and and, and the Calvinists believe that. Okay, that's Calvinist doctrine, is that God goes around and says, oh, you're not going to make it, 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 you're chosen, you're chosen. And it, it just happens. If you read scripture carefully, and the, and the quintessential example is Pharaoh, the hardness of the heart always starts with the individual. So if you read the Exodus, it becomes very clear that Pharaoh hardened his own heart up front. And as the plagues went along, at some point, Pharaoh went weak in the knees. Okay? And what God then did is propped his knees back up because God still had some stuff to do. And the example that I've used forever, which I like, it's sort of like dancing with a bear. If you get into the cage to dance with a bear, you've got an absolute choice whether or not you get into the cage. But the bear decides when the dance is over. Okay? And so in the case of Pharaoh, Pharaoh had an absolute choice. When Moses came and talked to him with a reasonable request from God, Pharaoh could have said, Ha! Three-day weekend? Sure, go ahead. And the whole thing would have been over. Pharaoh declined to do that. And Pharaoh stiffened his back and says, I'm king of this country and I'll decide who goes where and you're not going to take anybody that I don't want to have taken. So once Pharaoh stepped into the cage, then it's up to the bear when the dance is over. Okay. And so later on, when you see God hardening Pharaoh's heart, what God is doing is giving Pharaoh the courage of his convictions. But it all starts with not honoring God and not giving thanks. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creator rather than the, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen so again at some point what happens is god says okay you want to go that way go for it and god gives you up and and believe me that's the worst place that you can be where you want to be is under the judgment of god everybody hear what i just said what you want God to do is look at your life and say, no, no, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, do that. No, don't do that. Yeah, no, that's not profitable. Yeah, that's judging. That is not throwing you into a lake of fire, understand? That, that may, in fact, come at some, some future time. But what you want God to do is look at your life and give you feedback. And that feedback involves judgment. And when you get to the point where you're not getting any feedback from God, you're in real trouble. 
26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanging, exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. So one of the natural consequences of this path, if you will, which starts with not honoring God, is just what we are seeing now. We just had a bill passed in Colorado, basically the, the Sodomite Protection Act, that um, I don't know what all it says. I think it's posted out there. Um, but that's the natural progression. One of the things that you should understand is God is hostile to natural man. Okay? God is, in the land of Israel is hostile to natural man. You don't want to be a natural man. You want to be a child of the living God. And so there's a natural progression that you want to stay out of. 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Does that sound like a lot of our political class? It really does. I mean, you know, you, you could... Yeah. Um, I mean, as I say, this is, this is right out of today's tabloids and, and today's headlines. Um, I mean, we just had, what, a press secretary turn around and, and exhibit 45% of those uh, adjectives, right? The, the guy that just wrote his memo, what's his name? Um, yeah. You know. You know, faithless. Scott, not George. Yeah. <laughs> 32. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. And that's what that law that just got passed in Colorado is. It is a law that approves those who practice wickedness. I mean, that, 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 this should really sober you up. Uh, reading about where we are. I mean, because this, this, is, this is sort of a, a barometer, if you will, about where we are as a, as a state and as a country. And it isn't pretty. Uh, 